you know, if you were charting societal whatever values or or just how society is over different decades, you could chart it through ads. Hello and welcome to a very special episode of I Love That Ad. Joined, as always, in the co-seat is the wind beneath my wings, Shane W. Brennan. Hello, Shane. Welcome to the podcast. Hola. Uh, we are also joined by the amazing Tina Leonard, Communications Director at the Arts Council. Tina, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you for the amazing <laughs> in the intro. Uh, I'm delighted to be here and Shane as well. Delighted. Thanks no, for asking me. It's great. It's great to have you on. And um, with this podcast, we kind of usually end up talking to people who are really inside the bubble of advertising, marketing, creative agencies. Um, so I love when we get the opportunity to talk to someone who's still within the ecosystem, but more from the communication side and kind of another side of the house, because it's not some it's not a, a group of people we get to talk to that much. So. I'd love to to know kind of what's your relationship with advertising and and kind of ads in in general. Is it something that you're averse to, you lean into, or are all part of the mix? Yeah, a bit of both. I love thinking about ads and what they're doing and trying to do because it's like a busman's holiday. Because if you're working in communications, you're thinking all the time. How do you influence somebody's behavior or someone's perception about something, you know, which is exactly the same thing. Um, so I have always uh, loved um, looking at ads and how they're working and not. And then I found myself much more in more recent years putting the ad section, if I'm watching live telly, on mute. I don't know how many people have started doing that. Like that's not an advertiser's dream scenario, but um, because things, you know, if you're annoyed or flicking through the ads, if you can, or if you're on YouTube, fast forwarding through, you know, skipping the ads when you can. And I do that as well. So it's not like I spend all my time looking at ads. But when I think about them or look at them, and often it comes into conversations about branding in communications and things like that as well. You know, you're thinking about how the company is presenting itself, what audience they're addressing, what sort of uh, personality or what sort of uh, lifestyle factor or image they want to portray about their product or their service to get the person to think, oh, my God, I must buy this thing or I must do this thing, you know, Um and that uh, influences all of those questions come into my thinking when in anything relating to, you know, public relations or communications. And I should say as well that I really because ads are all about they're about images as well as feelings and and, and so on. Um, for me, I'm working now in the art sector, but thinking I've worked in lots of different sectors, you know, and all different sides. It comes from being a journalist, from being in-house, from being agency and, and all of that. But I started off studying history of art. So I spent, you know, at undergraduate level. So I spent four years like in a dark room looking, at, you know, looking at pictures, which is a brilliant thing to do, right? When you're a brilliant thing to do. There's worse things to be up to. God, yeah. no, that was only, we only had about, I only had about 10 hours of lectures a week. So there's plenty, mm. plenty of other things to get up to. But, um, you know, you, what we were learning then all those years ago, um, this was, I started uh, college in 1990. So, right, so that was a while back. 
And um, yeah, I did my leaving in 1990. That's right. So, um, but you know, what we did for what I was doing, what we were all learning was what are those images in those paintings um, trying to portray what was the social context and audience at the time, you know, we didn't use the word audience, but what was the social context at the time, the history, you know, if it was a religious painting, what what sort of moral story or storytelling was it trying to tell the people going into the church, the, the sponsor, the big wig sponsor who was portrayed in the thing, you know, he was trying to big himself up and give himself a brand, you know, um, and that's a really brilliant grounding to think about any form of communication, um, I think. So I was really useful and it was really useful, I feel, for me in having that background, you know, um, thinking about how we tell things. And if you if you think about ads, you know, you're thinking about behaviour change, ultimately trying to get someone to change behaviour. Um, and that's all about motivating people uh you know and prompting them to do that and i suppose giving them the ability to do that with your product but motivating them through the emotional uh, side of things especially and it's really what's really interesting is to watch how that changes over time mm -hmm. and some of the ads that i've chosen today like some of them go way back right to the you know late 70s even early 80s and the changes that you see in how people present their brand and the notion of aspirational living that they're giving or, you know, tells you an awful lot about society as well, which I think is fascinating. Um, you know, if you were charting societal whatever values or, or just how society is over different decades, you could chart it through ads. You know, you mm -hmm. could chart it through tele ads and, and it would tell you an awful lot about the, the mores of the time, you know, I think. Uh, and what people aspire to and how perception, how we changed, how we how we talk about ourselves and what's right and wrong now. You know, it's the same in movies and music and all of these things, but really yeah. clear in ads because, you know, with an ad, you're trying to motivate. So you have to get to where your audience is at that time, don't you? You know what people will be into, what will influence them from their peers, what's right and wrong for uh, for you to say about a thing or about a person at a time. So it really tells you a lot. And I think that's really interesting. And it shows you how we should all just watch ourselves and change and need to change about how we present and frame what we're doing all the time, you know, because uh, you've got to move with the audience. And sometimes you wonder which comes first, the chicken or egg in terms of mm -hmm. influencing, you know, is it the society and how we live that influences the ad or is there a bit of something... If some marketing campaign and ad campaign is so big and successful, how does that influence or how does that change a public perception as well? You know, so there's a bit of of crossover there, isn't there, in terms of what's influencing what? So it's all really, you know, people think it's just an ad and a telly, but it's not a lot that goes into it, isn't yeah. there? <laughs> the psychology as well as anything else. Tip yeah. of the iceberg, really, when you see those images of the the the, the vastness of a berg underneath the the, the waterline. That's it. Uh, with the amount of work that goes in behind it, absolutely, and, and strategy. I think what's interesting what you touched on there is the relationship between art and advertising, which is obviously a very rich um, grounding in that kind of, as you describe with an art history of uh, influencing consumers or audience in any way to get any type of message across. It goes back to bloody cave drawings, but. Um, what I love, what is interesting when we do sit down, and we've, we've touched about it a few times on this podcast, is nowadays in design or sometimes with the amount of information that brands can be trying to get across, text or copy can sometimes be used a bit as a crutch mm -hmm. with some advertising. And when, and I don't know what it is, and I don't know if it's uh, love of advertising or the kind of origin, sorry, love of art or the origin of, of visual 
over over text when you see a an advertising that almost has no copy you are like it if it's strong enough to carry nothing but potentially just a brand name you're like that's fabulous and no matter what it is now obviously there's some amazing stuff that is there, there's some amazing copy but all, all, always the the joke in, in copywriting is you know if why use two words when you can use one right so there's always this kind of like struggle artistically to get to less but to mm. say more mm. and i think that has that for me i think even subconsciously societally that comes from art mm. um and art into advertising so i think the the history of art and that visual communication is so strongly linked and we see it when we and it's just from doing this 110 episodes of this podcast with what people bring an awful lot of the times they're artistically very strong you know what I mean? Be that from messaging or what they're trying to get across, but visually, especially if we look at print ads and things like that, or out of home, no one really put gives us the uh, the overly uh, copy written piece. It's usually mm. visually striking, and some of them and a lot of them, you'd be like, this this would not be out of place in a museum, mm. you know. Yeah. And I just think that kind of that link between art and advertising is is uh, subconsciously in in societally uh unquestionable yeah. to a certain extent you, you know? know i think i think that's really well said because if you think about art visual art and other forms of art like poetry is an obvious one yeah. you're uh, and visual art because you've got one if if you're talking about an image or a piece of sculpture or whatever you've got one thing or one that mm. you know to look at one piece one canvas but you have to distill down everything you're saying into that one thing or in a poem you're distilling down you know an entire novel almost into uh, some lines so um that's that's exactly it yeah and mm. if you think about uh, watching an ad and you've got the visual then you've got the sound and then you've got um sound in terms of music sound in terms of language or if it's online you've got the caption that's a lot of your brain a lot of different yeah. parts of your brain working and i know some people prefer to you know, receive information more visually, others in an auditory way, others um, reading and so on. But I mean, it's true. The more parts that you, the more work you have to do to get to get um, to receive a message, you know, the harder it's going to be to get there. So as you said, if you have a really striking and like we think of as well, those brands that you could say that like, especially thinking of the main marker logo the brands have you know mm -hmm. and the images that go with that oh my god like it, it's amazing if something is identifiable and you're right there's some advertisements that are like mini movies that are beautiful absolutely mm -hmm. beautiful and like um you know you can say the same for for and and they it is an art you know what is art i mean ultimate creativity there um, I know from an arts council point of view, that's where, you know, commercial work like that doesn't fall under the auspices <laughs> of art, but there's a lot of artistic merit, let's say that, and a lot of artists who, um, uh, and designers and so on, um, you know, and musicians and photographers and people who engage in all of these art forms who contribute to that. Um, there's a, when you're talking about ads, there's a commercial end, so I suppose you see it in that way as well, but you're using the same tools of the trade yeah 100 yeah 100 yeah. yeah so uh are we going to have a a, a swath of really artistic ads no. then that we can expect from <laughs> you Tina? no brilliant uh what what can we expect from you i know you said you're the, the kind of the comms change and aspiration living but what's what's the flavor of of the ads you're you're bringing to us today yeah 
Well, I mean, really, when I was thinking and, and then I was talking to friends as well, getting more ideas. And suddenly there were so many to choose from. Oh, my God. But the, the ones I ultimately chose were ones that I really remember. They were actually the first ones that came into my head. And I did that because I thought these had an impact on me at some level um, uh, for various reasons. And, um, and the, you know, and they're they're all of them. They're, they're a bit different. Um, I think the three of them. Um, are different in how they present what they're trying to present. So it shows as well the changing ways of advertising. So um, like one of them, I find hilariously funny and ridiculous and um, and clunky in terms of how it's put together. The other one, uh, um, another one um, is, uh, you know, more about aspirational, how the brand wants to see itself and what audience is talking to. And then and then another one is just, oh, the look, when we come to it, the, you know, uh, it's really so much of its time in, in terms of presenting a masculine brand that is about a man who can surf and a woman who's a babe and, you know, this sort of thing. And it's really interesting to see to see those from the from our today, our 2023 point of view, you know. So they're a little bit fun, actually. None of them are um, necessarily the most beautiful um you know, visual creations that you'll ever see, but they're all really creative in different ways and of their very of their time. Amazing. So what's the brand, the first brand we're going to look at? The first brand is Three Hands Washing Up Liquid. Wash, washing up okay. liquid, you say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> nope. <laughs> no, no. Does anyone have that in their kitchen? Um, I don't even remember that brand, but I, by, I remember this ad so well. And this is, I was looking for the actual date from it. It's either very late 70s or early 80s. I couldn't find the exact date, but I remember it. And I was born in 1972, right? So I would have been really young remembering this. And this had an impact. And of course, you couldn't get away from ads in those days. If you're watching the telly, you have to watch it. So um, Three Hands Washing Up Liquid has the wonderful David Kelly, who's a very well-known Irish actor. He's He's gone about 10 years or so now, but people may remember him from like, you know, TV, theatre, film, like Strumpet City. He was in Faulty Towers, a bit, you know, lots of things. And actually more recently, people would know him from his role as a granddad in um, what you call it, the Roald Dahl movie, um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Do you know that more recent one that was, mm -hmm. that was done oh, yeah. there? But he's so he's this really famous actor um, in the ad <laughs> and talk about literal interpretation. You can imagine now, guys, you're in, like you're having a brainstorming session about how we represent three hands washing up liquid. I know we'll show three hands doing the washing up, you know, talk about literal. So we're not talking about presenting some sort of lifestyle choice or an emotional setup that or some sort of beautiful scene that encourages me to say to myself my god I want to live that life I want to be that person and this washing up liquid is going to do it for me it's nothing like that now it is a bit forward thinking when um you realize that it's a man doing the wash up because I would have thought at that point there were lots of people around the country and this is a very Irish ad there were a lot of people around, you know a lot of women around the country doing the wash up and not men so there is that and um, I don't think it's supposed to be a comedy but um, there are certain for me, it certainly is absolutely comedic because what you have is the very serious and very well-spoken tones of David Kelly. Uh, and it's the whole imagery of the whole ad is him standing at the sink. And you can see in front of him, like we're the, we're standing as the viewer at the other side of the sink. 
we're watching him at the sink. Um, there's the 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 uh, what you call it the the three hands washing up a liquid carton in his hand. You can see the the water and the suds and the plate. He has his two hands, and then there's obviously somebody hiding behind him, right? And their hand, one of their hands is coming out, not even at like shoulder level, but kind of at waist level. So he's got two hands, and then there's this third hand coming out to help him. You know, you get it? If the third hand is helping him, because it's third hands washing up liquid, and it's so good, it's almost like having three hands. And to look at it is bloody hilarious. Um, And talk about, yeah, literal interpretation. If you want a literal interpretation, this is it. This is improved three hands washing up liquid. It's now more effective than ever before. With three hands, you'll find you're washing up quicker and easier because three hands is now stronger, it's 20% stronger. And three hands gives you more grease cutting power where you need it most. Three hands washing up liquid, now more effective than ever. That's very well done. Yeah. Yeah, that's really yeah. well done like I've even though you that. described what was going to happen i was still shocked when, <laughs> when the third hand came out just because i was expecting it to cut to like just maybe a torso where you're not even seeing him and the tree hand but like the fact it's coming out of him uh in one with the same shirt and everything that was that was that was quite slick uh, <laughs> how, they, how they how they produced that i'm i'm quite impressed genuinely uh and his his cool demeanor oh yeah throughout. i mean what a cool and his uh, that lovely delivery in that very reassuring voice that very reassuring man more grease cutting power than ever more effective than you know and you get the tagline at the end more effective than ever but yeah um the technical prowess of the third hand coming out is brilliant and i look at the very end the third hand, which is again like is the person hiding behind or whatever coming out from david kelly's waist you know and um, they rubs or dries the hand with one of david kelly's hand with the cloth like it's it's brilliant it's like how yeah. the fun they must have had doing that you know i wonder how many takes because it's simple to look at in that it's just the one frame the whole time you know but mm. um i'd say it was complex in getting that third hand right i'd say you can see uh, it's it's fabulous looking i'm always jealous as the director when you see a great ad that only has one shot because you're like yeah. that just set it up and do it so your whole day is actually spent getting a performance as opposed to filling in angles yeah. and coverage but um yeah you can see it's he, he's he's trying to rattle through the dishes because the amount of fucking suds he left on the dishes <laughs> <laughs> but uh it's uh it's great to see because you're looking you start on him you move down there's so much going on and it's done it's done so you can see he's just really concentrating on that delivery mm. and it's just impeccable what i think is really interesting he almost costume wise he's almost dressed like he's working in a cafe but yet mm. the setting is is a someone's house home yeah you know what i mean so it's it, i get that sense from him that he's like a professional washing dishes i don't get a sense that um He's just in his gaff and he's dressed up in a uniform that's kind of of brown hue. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that's what's interesting with the delivery. It's like he he comes across as a, I don't know, an authority on, on washing it to he a does. certain extent. But you know yeah. what? That's really interesting you said that because I said there before um, in my intro, so to speak, of the ad that, you know, it was, was it a bit forward thinking there was a man doing the dishes? Yeah. But what you say, yeah, at the same time, at that time, you're talking about mid 70s to early 80s. 
the, certainly having a man deliver something in an authoritative way was the way to do it, or at least it was expected, wasn't it, that that would be the way. So if you see him as we don't see a home setup, we don't see a kitchen with kids running mm. around and whatever that you would see in an ad today, you'd see the setup context. So, you know, if you're seeing his clothes as sort of worky clothes, he's got the shirt and everything. That's really interesting because maybe mm. they even though he was doing the dishes, they it was still necessary to show him more of a professional and he's delivering it not in a dad sort of way you know yeah. but in a in a, a very much, yeah almost yeah it reminds me of you know the old um soap detergent ads where there'd be a man in a suit describing the, sh the chemicals you know what i mean because he goes this came from a lab he'd nearly have a pipe and he'd be like this came from a lab and this makes housewives lives much easier <laughs> yeah and you know yeah. that type of that yeah. shtick um i just get it it's a softer more modern approach to that it's like no no give it someone with a sense of authority who who can deliver this as well as him being an amazing actor you know what yeah I mean? but uh i just think it's interesting but, uh, yeah on that point Shane, i think it's his, his it's his delivery that sells it all and yeah. like, there's there's one little thing he does there where midway through he just scratches his eyebrow and it just shows he's so relaxed at doing this that this isn't like i need to get the lines out i need to tell you about this is like I use this every day almost is what he's what he's almost implying that he's so relaxed that he's he's just like, yep, yeah, this is, you know, as if you're chatting to a mate almost. Yeah, yeah the timing uh, is lovely kind of as as a set piece out. between him and the third arm, mm. like things like that is, is mm. it's their little choreography. It's their dance and they just deliver it. Lovely. I've actually never seen that before. Yeah. Um, oh, well, I'm glad I introduced no. you. I think it's fab. fab and I love yeah. that, that you've you've said about his his relaxed nature and while his voice is authoritative, he's very calm. Mm. But also, you know, the whole point of three hands washing up liquid is supposed to make your life easier. So you're not supposed to become, you know, it, it wouldn't be right for him to be frantic and all over the place. So that calm demeanor really tells us more about how, you know, this is this is how 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 chill we're going to be if we have three hands yeah. washing up like and we're using it, you know, and we've got the equivalent of a third hand. But like I remember like certainly playing with, I don't know, my sisters or my parents or something and, you know, sticking the hand out behind the, the person's waist and making fun. Like we used to play that ad, basically. Yeah. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. So it had impact. That's brilliant. <laughs> I think I, it's, it's a great it's a great. Ad. I would have loved uh, this is just the maths in me. I'd love if it was 50 percent stronger. It just, uh, just given the fact that the <laughs> with the third, third arm, <laughs> there's an argument you could make, maybe around 33, not mathematically correct, <laughs> but it would have sold as a bit of copy. But if they, I would have been to the lab, I was like, guys, can we make this a bit stronger? <laughs> just give me a bit more, a few more. Just a bit more strength, a bit more strength. There, there's always, when I see these ads, and, and Shane, as a director, you probably, probably might agree with this, but when you have a one piece like that, the confidence in the actual creative in itself as in like we don't need we don't need shots we don't need much movement we don't need you know many effects just the confidence in what the, has been written and the the art direction they're given with the with, with the with the three hands the what they've set up going this will sell mm. you know there's there, there's there's so much restraint in that alone um that i i'm always <laughs> A bit envious almost of of just just the ooze of confidence from those type of ads well i think as well somewhat like you got to remember like at that time advertising was potentially much more expensive and less accessible like this would have been shot on film mm. so like you know what i mean you you don't want to be moving your camera you don't want to be um 
do having big set setup. So I think the two things it's like the chicken and egg that you talked about, Tina. Um, mm. But like, um, so they almost drew themselves a box as look, we have access to a film camera for a day, we have access to a studio for a day. And we need to get this copy across the thought of moving the camera five times would have been insane, which we can do now, because we shoot on digitally, we have it, the lights are much more accessible, they're much smaller. Things like that have to come in when we think when we look at stuff retrospectively, especially around Irish things where budget mightn't have been as big as what you would have seen in yeah. the States. Mm. You know what I mean? They would have access to a studio. Um, I think it was in Ardmore Studios is the credit on it. Yeah. And they would have had it for a day. And they were like, okay, what can we do? And then they would, the creatives would have worked really hard within those restraints to get something re that they're really confident in. It would be my opinion on it. Hmm. What a way to uh, what a way to open up your selection, Tina. Um, what can we expect for ad number two? Number two is moving forward, inching forward in time to 1984. And this is one I do remember um, so well. And I loved it. It's a Kit Kat ad. My Kit Kat had loads of terrific ads for a, a long time. And a lot of the ads were um, showing us the product with, uh, you know, when you snapped one of the fingers at the end and you got that snap. So you got that lovely audio um, of that and a lovely sense of the product has been a unique sort of, is it a biscuit, is it a bar thing? But anyway, this one is I hope lots of people will remember because you have this sort of suited geezer uh, who's the music company exec or the AR man or whatever. And he's in, he's sitting at his desk in his office and you've got these crazy in inverted commas, right? Kids uh, who are in a band all sitting bunched up together. It's framed very tightly um, and we're in the one scene, but and, and there's just two different aspects, really, the band and the geezer. And um, they're they're dressed in, as I said, crazy in inverted commas. They have that sort of early 80s look, uh, mad coloured clothes, like sort of culture clubby, banana rama that sort of look. And they're giving him, um, he's playing their demo. And we're hearing the 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 demo. Do, 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 do. Uh, sorry, that's a really bad <laughs> clip of the song in the demo, which tells you nothing. But anyway, I'm hearing it in my head, right? That's all that matters. Um, and they're kind of jumping up and down, and one of the lads, you know, on their seat again, all really kind of tightly framed. So there's a lot of energy, and it's quite tight. And one of one of the guys in the band has his drumsticks and everything. And the guy, but we we shoot back and forward to the the music guy. And he's like going, Jesus, he's, he, he's thinking, what in the name of God is this bloody mess of a music? Anyway, the, the music stops and then he then he issues, he says the immortal lines, you can't dance, you can't sing, you look awful, you'll go a long way. And then we don't even pan <laughs> back to them. It's just on him. He snaps the Kit Kat and the band we hear in the background are like, yay! And I just love it because there's so much energy in it. It's really tightly framed, but there's a lot of energy. But we have the whole, it's it's the moving to advertising where you're selling a brand and a way of living. You know, you're addressing an audience and saying a Kit Kat is cool, um, uh, you know, but we're we're able to be a little bit ironic. We're able to take a little bit of the piss out of ourselves. You know, we've got a lovely product. Um, uh, and and you're selling sort of an energy or an emotion uh, 
maybe a little bit of lifestyle but but certainly because you know it's oriented toward more towards the younger people can see the fun in the band and so on and then other people can get the fun of the suit guy you know who's um and also poking that fun at the music industry you know and people mm -hmm. who might be awful can't sing can't dance look awful and they'll go along with so there's so many different layers about making fun about commentary on music, but being like inside an in-joke, you know, and then you're feeling part of this sort of community and oh, Kit Kat's like that. So to me, it really, it, it really, um, it's really of its time because it looks, sounds and feels absolutely like mid eighties. Um, but it brings us to a sort of, you know, a part of what was a, a really a much longer ad campaign, which places Kit Kat as a sort of groovy, insider thing that you just want to be part of because it's a fun you know um it's nothing about what it tastes like nothing about what whether it's uh, delicious or it looks or anything like that it's just the vibe it's just the feeling and you want that feeling so you end up going out and buying the product um so i think it's terrific brilliant okay. well, let's have a quick look at it let's give it a watch <laughs> This is the best bit. I think we'll take a break. Have a break. Have a Kit Kat. What do you think? You can't sing. You can't play. You look awful. You'll go a long way. That's gas. I've never seen that one before. Have you not? I have. No, I've, I've never seen that. Either. I've seen that before. Yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, it's great. It's. It as you said. It, it's. It it does sell. It says says so many things. I think for me, mm. it says it's it let's Kit Kat acknowledge a music trend that was going on at the time yeah. that maybe a generation of people who felt older people didn't understand them, right? But for some reason, it was selling tickets. And then at the same time, it also mirrors that, as you said, where the older people have been like, they can't play, they can't, they sound <laughs> awful, but yet they are on the radio. But I'm gonna have a Kit Kat anyway, and I love them. Kick Out, I always find, is a really interesting uh, brand or, or confectionery because it, it instructs you in so many ways. It, it tells you to take, it doesn't tell you to eat a Kit Kat, it tells you to take a break. Take a break. And then it associates the break with the sound of the Kit Kat. Whereas there's very few actual biscuits or, or bars that are like, no, 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 stop everything you're doing and take a break. And you know that means to just have a Kit Kat. So I think uh, the the sound and then the foil as well as the snap, because it's never just the mm. snap, it's mm. foil snap. And I just love that they even, uh, because they're so sound-based as a communication, I love um, the fact that they bring audio into this and what's mm. considered crap audio. <laughs> and then they, they manage to kind of cut it then with their sound. Yeah. And I think that's kind of symbolism of, yeah, you just take a break from all this noise and just yeah. snap. There's uh, also gorgeous. a bit, is there a bit of like implication that, you know, it can, by taking that break, you get, you get a bit of a change of mind, change of, mm. you know, you, you kind of, you refresh a little bit so you can think about things a little bit differently because his, his face was like, he turned off the radio in disgust. Yeah. And it was only after he actually had the Kit Kat in his hand that he's like, yeah, this will work. Do you know what I mean? It's almost like that gives you a different perspective on things, uh, I, or something when you do when you do step away from I, the, the literal noise. I think it's <laughs> that's, that's in the ad. I think it's potentially. I don't know if it's necessarily that. I think it's more potentially that you don't. It's okay. You don't need to get it 
Mm. You know what I mean? You, you, as opposed to him changing his mind, because he doesn't change his mind. He says they're awful. They can't play mm. in their gold mm. mind. So he's like, yeah, I, it's okay. I don't, I don't, I don't need to. This doesn't need to infuriate me that these people are awful and it's going to sell tickets. He's more like, just take a break. It's grand. Because I think there is. Is there not another chocolate ad that's a similar setup? That is it a is it a record producer listening to a song? And they're eating chocolate and they're making like the mm, noises. It's like at the start, they don't like it, but then they eat a piece of chocolate. I might have made up an ad. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. There probably is. I and can't I think the sound of them. And then at the end, they do exactly what you said, Aaron. It mellows them into being like, mm. oh, I actually like this music. Whereas I feel this character, he's kind of more slimy Del Boy. Oh, he definitely he's, is. Yeah, do you know what I mean? I don't think he has a moral compass that changes no. because of yeah. Kit Kat. I think yeah. he'll do anything for a quick buck sort of yeah. thing. He's the yeah. cheeky chappy, like who's, you know, with the Cockney accent. And I didn't even yeah. mention in my intro, Take a Break, which is re totally remiss of me, because, of course, that's the whole point of the thing, as you yeah. pointed out. And brilliant that's insights brilliant. there. But because the Take a Break was the was the the slogan across their ad campaigning for several years, as far as I can remember. And it's it was absolutely became associated like Kit Kat mm. became associated with that, you know, mm. which is absolutely like fantastically successful. Um, and with the legs up on the table and all of this, like I, I just love the energy of it. But I actually I agree with you, Shane, that he's the cheeky chappy who doesn't actually care two ways as long as he gets a few quid. Like, yeah. And if they, he thinks this band will sell because there's an audience from it, so be it. And he's he's so chill, like the, the Kit Kat thing. It's just, you know, I'm cool. I'm yeah. chill. I'm laying back. And, um, you know, whatever is happening with the world, at least, you know, I can just take a break and have a kid kid cat i don't need to stress you know yeah. so i don't need to stress and and all of that which is is lovely to think it's it's a lovely message <laughs> um so uh yeah and can't sing can't play of course i got those immortal lines wrong as well i was going uh, for memory you got the sentiment of them correct though the sentiment <laughs> yeah, was there it's the yeah it's the sense of it you can't yeah. sing you can't play um yeah. and they don't of course the band don't give a shit either what no. that he says to me you can't sing you can't you know they're not taking it personally they probably want to go yeah. on top of the pops like that's yeah. their aim in life you know we're yeah. thinking 1984 here kids when top of the pops was the thing you know so um yeah. they don't care either so they're all in on it do you know what mm. i mean and he he he's also a visual juxtaposition to at that time early 80s so late 70s it was all about the virgin mega stores where there were meccas to hang out cool mm. music then Branson moved into Virgin Records, setting up the actual studio and getting cool bands on, like Boy George Culture Club mm. was part of Virgin Records. And he's obviously he was like the people's champion, the cool young person taking on the establishment. That record producer there is is not a Branson-esque type of character, but the band are. So you're kind of tapping into kind of Almost like two kind of lanes of culture at the same time where the band, that's cool stuff associated, but also this this uh, this money man realizing yeah. he doesn't get it, but he gets that people get it. So he does. <laughs> do you know that and, kind of way? You know, and Aaron, I'm wondering, like at the time, the agency who made it and people in the industry, let's say in the music industry at the time watching it, would they have seen in that characters that they know or the way things work and they could have had terrific fun with that you know i'd say there's layers there of sort of insider jokes as well that we would never yeah. get and that's not the the primary motivation for it but like there's a lot of talk gone into the representation of everything you know I, I just as you've described that, there and that you can imagine that 
that could have been like a bit of a rumor that was going around about an exec that said that to someone who turned into be a big <laughs> act or something like that. You can almost yeah. imagine it's a it's actually a line that was said in real life yeah. in a real life scenario. Um, but that that that's brilliant, and I think it's it's a uh, it's not often we get Kit Kat ads for for a brand that has such a a legacy in brilliant ads. Mm. Um, they do. And have so it's great brilliant. to have that one there. I think it's. Yeah. I assume my assumption would be that was JWT, who would have had come up with that have a break, Kit Kat line, and they did. I know they made the panda ad. Mm. So my uh, that's in 1989 around. Mm. So I assume JWT was still in charge of Kit Kat around this time, and kind of navigated them through that waters. But um, it's uh yeah, it's certainly a it's a fabulous piece, and it, and it reminds me. I, I do you know what it screams to me a little bit as well as you as you both just touched on there. Have you seen that movie with Andrew Garfield? That's about the man who wrote um, Tick Tick Boom. Tick Tick oh. Boom. No, I haven't, but I know and the one you mean. There's a real fun thing about that as someone who works in advertising is he's a musical artist and that's what he wants to do. But his friend sells out and works in advertising. It's like, I can get you a job. He goes, you, you can't pay your rent. That's rent is what he writes. You can't pay your rent. I'll get you a job. It's good money. It's good money. Good money. And then eventually he kind of has to sell out and start doing jingles and things like that. And it just reminds me that like, yeah, in advertising creative agencies, there is a whole wash of artists mm. who are just, as we touched on at the start, who mm. are just literally doing this to pay rent. So there could easily have been a musical artist who have sat in the room and someone has, uh, that type of character has said it to them. And they're like, I know, I know who I'm going to bring to life. Mm. <laughs> I know who I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I hate the most in my life. <laughs> yeah, that's brilliant. You're right. That could absolutely have happened. God, you'd yeah. love to have been a fly on the wall. Oh, so, yeah. So Someone has the has the narrative of, of what went down there. But you're absolutely right. Of course, in any profession like that, I mean, um, it's very difficult to to make a living in most art forms, you know, and lots of people who've training and practice and wonderful skills can't have to do other things, whatever art mm -hmm. form you're working in. I mean, you've got loads of writers and playwrights and poets and so on who are journalists and teachers. You know, there's there's almost traditional yeah. industries for people, like as you say, for the more on people on the visual side, it's more the advertising end of things. You know, it's the way yeah. it is, unfortunately. But of course, at the Arts Council, we're trying to fund and support as many as possible. And more about that later. But yeah, it's interesting just you say it, actually, how it changes. My brother's an artist, um, yeah. my older brother, and he's a YouTuber. He teaches, he does um, art tutorials for teenagers on YouTube and that's really? how he makes a living but he's an, he's a trained art that's what he's done his entire yeah. life and he saw that opportunity in YouTube and he was like yeah I'll just do this Brilliant. <laughs> good for him yeah it's gas brilliant well Tina thank you so much for, for that now you've uh, you've really kind of set a trend here so I hope you're not going to disappoint for the third and final ad oh I think not Ooh, whoops <laughs> <laughs> okay I was about no to say pressure. that with great confidence and then I thought <laughs> um, but we're listen we're we're staying in old school here but this is oh my god this is so old school you will weep right I don't know with joy or with 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 shock or sadness but so it's back in the late 70s Old Spice um, which was a huge male product product before male grooming blah 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 and all of that you know people I used to buy my dad Old Spice talcum powder for Christmas you know Old Spice was the thing was yeah. the product um, and they had a range of ads late 70s into the 80s all with the the the, the slogan was the mark uh, sorry I have to 
make try and make my voice go deeper. The mark of a man. I can't do it more properly. <laughs> anyway, the mark of a man was the thing. Whether you guys could say it properly. But this this particular one I've chosen has the most amazingly dramatic soundtrack. It's the Car- Carmina Burana, you know, Carl Orff. Do, 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 boom, boom, do, do. We all know that one, right? So um, it has that as a soundtrack, which is which gets the blood going. So it gets the that gets the music, gets the emotion going immediately. And then we see the man, right? The masculine hunk of a man surfing huge waves. And there he is looking amazing, surfing the huge waves. And we don't you know, we see a little close up of his face, splashing his face with some sort of old spice aftershave. And then what you see um throughout is you, you've got the various surfing shots uh, and then you see a, a woman a glamorous blondy haired long haired tanned model looking woman and she there's just a faded image of her coming in or out just like a fraction of a second a few times so it's just kind of fading in and out in the background and the, by the third one she's almost getting into you know she's almost having an orgasm in the third one at your man so I, I'm not I'm not joking at the at the guy at the masculine man surfing the waves and then you know at the end it's like you know um, it's a classic masculine fragrance um, what we're seeing it's again a mark of the times to market something towards men you want to show the most masculine scene that you can it's kind of like those milk tray ads with the guy skiing all over the mountains to get to his lady do you know what I mean it's mm-hmm. the man and his lady pure male uh, you know the old-fashioned male stereotype old-fashioned female stereotype obviously heterosexual couldn't be any other way um and it's selling us an image of if you want to be that man who gets that gal and the gal is all over you and you are fabulous and amazing, you've got to use the old, old spice, you know, and we're if the imagery doesn't get you on, get you going on the right, the, the music is going to get you going. So you imagine that the intention here was certainly at the end of it, you have that emotional motivation to go out and buy that old spice because this is something else they said. OK, brilliant. Let's, Let's have a quick look at it. Old Spice, the classic masculine fragrance. The mark of a man. What what year would that have been? So I think I looked it up and I as far as I now correct me, I could could be correct on this, but around 78, late 70s. There was a series of Old Spice ads and this other male models, I presume they were all models, appeared. And there was other surfing versions and there was other nice model ladies lying in their bikinis on beaches. There was more of them as well. There was a whole series of them and each one basically was Mr. Adventure Man who can listen, is so fabulous that he can surf ginormous waves and make a woman come just by looking at him. Sorry, can I say that? And she's there in the bikini looking fabulous. And, you know, so that's, that, that's basically the premise of the, all all the campaigns. That's it. And why, and why do you love that ad? I think, I just think, I love it because, because, what can I say? I like it is not an ad you could would think about or could you couldn't make today for so many reasons. And I find it yeah. fascinating because the music is grabbing, and I love that you get that emotional content, and you're just watching it with your jaw dropping, going, "Ah, Jesus! Like this is so surreal. Like it's so not rooted in anyone's ordinary reality. Um, you know uh, that it's it's so over the top." 
um, that I find that fascinating. And nowadays, you know, we'd be looking, obviously it wouldn't fit in with our social norms now and how we represent men and women and sexuality and all of these things and using sex to sell products, which obviously everyone does all the time in, in indirect or direct ways. But um, it's so overt here you know, using that uh, sexual prowess to sell something. Um, and it's so it's so traditional in its male and female, if that's the right word, in its male and female role models, that I just think it's a brilliant example of that, you know, oh, yeah. of uh, it's, it's just a great example of that. Um, and I imagine that, you know, we're talking about a time where there weren't you didn't there weren't ranges of male moisturizer products or whatever, you know, it was um, uh, you know, so so it it wasn't a situation where you're going to have um, a lot of uh, let's say commonplace discussion or talk or usage of anything. So you've a bit of aftershave and whatever other products they did, talcum powder. I remember because I do remember buying that for my dad. Um, and uh, um, you know what what do they have to do? They have to say that you are going to be like Mister Universe if you if you get this, and they go to the extremes. I just think it's cra- I think it's crazy. Um, I love it for that reason. Yeah, I think it's I think it's cra- it's crazy as well because I'm even trying to think around that time. Like when I think of Old Spice, I think of my grandfather. My grandfather's yeah. when I was a kid going into their bathroom, he'd have Old Spice, and me being there you like, go. "What the hell is that?" And like kind of the association of him being old and spice, and I was like, "Hmm, that must be an old person thing." I don't know, <laughs> right? And this is when I'm like really small. But um, what I think is interesting is just. I just don't associate surfing and Old Spice. They just don't, they don't link for me for like <laughs> the, the idea of what surfing was in the seventies and eighties. And that was very generation X of that time that then translated into um, skateboarding in the, in the eighties and into the nineties. And I just, oh, Old Spice just seems like even that term, the mark for man no, feels yeah. more sailing and mountaineering than surfing so it feels like the brand was trying to jump on this sexy surfer look well it literally has a a, a tall ship on the bottle and on the box uh you know when you're you described it i probably bang on there tina because the immediate thing i thought after watching that i was going that felt like i was watching a sketch show nowadays yeah. who made an old yeah. sexist type of ad yeah. uh, back in the day who were like you know uh this will this will make you a multi-millionaire this will have women dripping off your arms yeah. you know that yeah. kind of uh, it was if they put all those tropes into a sketch there it, <laughs> is. it was a real it was a it was a real ad that's amazing that's it and it's important i mean you know we don't want to rewrite history but we you know we want to um Look at it. And it's important to know that that like that's only how many years goes at 40 years or something. Um, OK, that's 40 years is a whole generation ago. But that, it's not that long ago then that that's the way we perceive things. It's important. You know, it's 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 really interesting to know that and to see that and then see what changes have come and why and to understand that as well, you know. Um, but and, and it's interesting what you said there, Shane, about granddad, because I associated with my dad. So mm. whatever age, I'm sure he wasn't that old when I was small. Do you know what I mean? But to me, he was an old man. And we, it, it seemed to be uh, for me as well, associated with something you get your dad for Christmas. Um, but I guess I was too young anyway to be thinking about it in any other way, you know, in yeah. the way in the ways the ad suggested, let's say. But um, I, I don't know if you were that 
age group of man, if you were in your 30s or 40s or whatever, 20s, I don't know whatever age that man's supposed to be in the ad, if it was the thing. But there can't have been that many products really in that line anyway. But they were, so they campaigned, they had a range of ads over years under the mark of a man. They're worth looking at because there's loads of different versions of, but it's all, it's all the same uh, the same style and the same um, premise of all of them. It's, you know, you're going to be, you're going to be a hot dude, basically. That's it. Yeah. You could almost imagine if you could swap out the Old Spice product and have him smoking Marlboros yeah. or something at the, yeah. at the end. If he was, the, if he was a cowboy. Also, or, yeah. or getting yeah, into exactly. some, getting into like, I don't know, a, a Corvette with a surfboard at the end. You know, it just screams yeah. like that kind of yeah. quintessential man bullshit. Yeah, like, don't forget yeah. the lady. Don't forget the bikini clad lady on his arm as well. She's a, she's an integral part of all of this. Now. Very she doesn't she's have a, as well. an action part or a speaking part, of course, but she, she isn't quite integral yeah. to the plot. She's not even on location. She's definitely in the studio. Aren't <laughs> <laughs> her facial, like, I'd love the direction. I'd love to know what direction she was given because Jesus, like her facial expressions when she's, I don't know, she's supposed to be watching this man or whatever, really like she's getting excited. Yeah, uh, it's 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 really interesting. I wonder, do you know what I think is really interesting about that? I wonder if that is that's not the first time that that music. It could have been the first time that music was really put to something. I don't know on television or it's, on it, that. That's an interesting question, isn't it? Cause because that music back. is is Powerful. you know what I mean. But as Aaron said, if you were to make a sketch, we would use that music now. But yeah. is that come from? That. this and then trickle because what's that is it the mandela theory where people misremember things yeah. and make up things and make up ads that i haven't seen yeah people make up different films and stuff like that that don't exist and i wonder if the origin of that bit of music in cinema comes from there i'm, I'm curious now i'm gonna have to look that up is it, the, the, <laughs> the, the, the first thing i remember that being in film is the hunchback in notre dame i think when the actual notre dame cathedral is burning mm. Uh, Quasimodo is like trying to to rescue yes. all the lads, and that music, that as a kid, that like, that got to me. And I, uh, Marty, that's an intense scene. Played it there a week or two ago, and like brought me back there. I was like, Marty, it's too early for this shit. You know, <laughs> almost like childhood trauma. <laughs> listening, listening to that song. Um, but yeah, that's that that's a great ad to watch. And actually, just look, you take, can learn those for everything it is. Yeah, yeah. you learn so much from watching all of these things. And I mean, it's not about it's it's just about having the time. And this way, this is so lovely, having the time to reflect and think on how people are trying to get through to an audience, you know, um, and yeah. how that changes, my God, and how you can get it right. Um, like we've looked at like that was a successful campaign. All of these ads that we've spoken about today were really successful, mm -hmm. um, you know, and they wouldn't necessarily be successful today so that's really interesting to think about you know yeah, yeah definitely yeah, really definitely yeah that's uh thank you so much Ian. they're they're a brilliant selection of ads i uh, hadn't seen any of those before so uh delighted delighted to uh widen widen my horizons on those so thank you so much oh um, brilliant you're welcome you tell us what what's going on with your yourself with the arts council is there any any initiatives you'd like to uh talk about or kind of uh, anything you'd like to plug yeah, well, I think the main thing to say to people is that, like with the Arts Council, obviously we support and fund artists and arts organisations around the country, you know, and, you know, we, we want a vibrant arts community and, and uh, lots of engagement and things for, for audiences to go to across all the arts forms. But um, 
it's important that everyone knows that we we got an increase in funding in the last couple of years, you know, after COVID, which means we have a lot of, of new, in the last couple of years, we introduced a lot of new uh, funding schemes, such as ones called agility and bursary. Anyway, it doesn't matter what name they are, but like we fund all the big, uh, you know, all the arts organizations, um, all the art centers and all of those big, but now we've got hundreds more individual artists on our books. You know, uh, people like your brother, maybe Shane, I don't know if he hasn't applied to 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 these new agility awards, he should because they're they're lower amount awards, but they enable people, individual artists to take time to do work that they need to do. And that's really important. Um, uh, so take a look at the website or anyone listening, take a look at the website and just make sure like, you know, if you're involved in any sort, if you're involved in making art of any way, take a look and see um uh what what could be there for you because there might be new awards that you don't know about that are there for you and on the website there's all the dates of when to apply and all of that and apart from that there's always things coming up i mean two things i'd like to mention if anyone listening is involved in festivals um there's a festival conference in may if that's if that timing is good or bad i don't know mm -hmm. but there's a big festivals conference on in um, May in Galway and Kim, ooh, surname's gone out of my head, who's the creative director of Burning Man in Nevada. She's going to be like, which is, oh my God, like the coolest festival on the planet. She's going to yeah. be, what's her name, Kim? Oh God, sorry. Anyway, uh, her uh, people who know her will know her. She's keynote speaker and there's other international people. Tim it's going to be a festival. Kim, there you go. Good man, Shane. Have you been? No, no, I just Googled really quickly. God, it would be, it would be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'd love to. I don't know. I don't know if I'd ever come back, though. Yeah, well, that's it. Well, you need a whole recovery period afterwards. Yeah, that's yeah, for yeah. sure. But anyway, that's that's one thing to look out for. Free tickets for artists, otherwise 35 quid. So that's just a really nice thing because festivals can check like festivals. We shouldn't think of them just at the particular time they're on. You know, they act they They actually have programming often in towns across years and they make a huge difference to wherever mm. the place is and the artists involved and the economics of the place. Um, the other thing, just to give a quick shout out to, is our Laureate of Irish Fiction, Colm Tobin, this year. And he has book clubs and we have, you know, um, uh, videos and and, and uh, um, you can you can participate in the book reading club and all that. And that is brilliant if you're into that sort of thing. You know, you read the book, then you go along to book club with him and he's in conversation with someone and you're talking about it. And that's just really cool. So they're just two nice things that are coming up. But outside of that, it's all the usual support and projects that we're funding. There's so much going on in the art sector across all the art forms. There really is. There's an awful lot to be proud of. And we want people. Last word, we do know that, unfortunately, Post-COVID, numbers of people attending things haven't gone back up to the level they were pre-COVID. So hoping there is something, you know, have, have a look and see what's on in your area. And if you feel like going out, go out because it does help everybody in the end. Amazing. Go out and support. And, and for yeah. that website is artscouncil.ie for, for more information on funding and stuff like that. That's brilliant. Uh, Tina, Tina Leonard, uh, Communications Director at the Arts Council. Thank you so much. Uh, for coming on to the podcast uh, with those brilliant ads. Um, it was a, a, a real pleasure. Um, and if anyone was listening but wants to see those uh, brilliant ads, um, see that amazing uh, listening surfer, uh, you can go to workerfo.e forward slash podcast uh, where you can view the full episode there. But until next week, thank you very much and goodbye. Slung of Fold.